0: Pick up your new Buick. The first ever Buick Encore GX available with Alexa built in. This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Happy Wednesday evening and welcome to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider on this end and from Zoom, via Zoom. On the other end is our buddy and our partner DK uh, from DK Pittsburgh Sports. It's Dan Kovacevic. Try saying all that on a Wednesday night, Dan.
1: And do it uh, as, that as that challenge ex- exceeds my <laughs> capacity there, Albert How are you? I'm good. Happy
0: Wednesday. And uh, we're, we're starting to uh, get some clarity one way or another on all of the predicaments of the local professional sports teams. Um, let's start uh, this evening with the Penguins. And I, I think everybody has digested what happened up in the bubble, um, and they're trying to uh, do the best they can to move forward. We we uh, there are a lot of stories floating around about some deals they might make in the off season, but but the the deal that they've made. Um, talk about where they are after that, where you think they're going, and uh, what what predicament this team has put itself in terms of rebuilding back into a, a contender for a championship.
1: Yeah, I think that. I mean, the, the, the word there is rebuilding. And how do you do that without actually rebuilding, right? I mean, that, that's the that's the challenge that Jim Rutherford faces. Um, he and I had a good long talk yesterday that was more broad than it was specific uh, as it relates to the trade and the acquisition, I should say, the reacquisition of Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, it's not just about that impact the Kapanen will have. As theoretically the first line right winger, if he's up there with Sid and Jake, that's a pretty good young, energetic duo to surround your your franchise uh, legend with. So I, I like it from that standpoint. But Jim knows that the challenge isn't done there. Uh, they they still have to move guys off the salary cap. Uh, and some of those are going to kind of take care of themselves as you and I have discussed. You're going to see Justin Schultz, Patrick Marlowe, uh, other players. They're just going to be allowed to walk Connor Sherry in all likelihood. They might buy out Nick Bukestad uh, in which case you have a bunch of cap room that kind of opens up. Matt Murray is the one that's, you know, I mean, very rarely do you have a young goaltender who's won two Stanley cup rings and the GM basically publicly makes it known that, yeah, we're not, very likely to keep him. Uh, There's a really good chance that Matt Murray will be traded or his rights will be traded as a restricted free agent. So that's another cap element in play. Um, Is it enough? I don't know, Albie. What do you think? I mean, is the team going to be sufficiently young and energetic and fresh and everything else that was missing in the Montreal series? Um, I think the easy answer to that is
0: uh, it's possible, but it's a big challenge. And they are – I remember it's funny as I was in my mind thinking about what uh, we were going to talk about today and our topics. I was thinking about a conversation we had a year ago uh, when when the Penguins had their early exit from the playoffs. And um, I, I, I I said to you something along the lines of, well, the, the chances of winning of, – of Sid and Gino and, and Latang winning another cup uh, – Uh, there's a better chance they're not going to do it than the fact that they're going to do it. And and they're all a year older now. I see too many number one picks going the other way. And when, when you start giving away those number one picks and you're right, there's a desperate attempt to try to rebuild um, without rebuilding, if that makes any sense, try to reload and, and, and give your team what it needs without a complete overhaul. And I think that that's a very, Difficult challenge for Jim Rutherford, and yeah. uh, I mean, as long as Sidney Crosby is the guy leading the way on the ice, I think that this team has has its heart right at the top. And and, yeah. and but but I, I think there's a lot of things happening uh, from Sid down you know, below Sid that, that
1: that make you wonder if this team can get back. Yeah, it's it's a tightrope and, and a chronological tightrope, if you will. One of the points that Rutherford made with me that I found most compelling was. If you look at it from the standpoint, like you were just saying, you lose the first round pick. You know, you send it out, and you keep doing that. I mean, I think the Penguins have had two first round picks in the past decade. You keep doing that, and you wonder what what the impact is. But if you send out that pick, and you get back a young player with years of control, meaning you know that he, you know, however many years you can keep that player before he can hit the Uh, unrestricted free agency, the true open market. In Kapanen's case, that's four years. And he's a young guy who has hardly peaked. The other thing about Kapanen versus your conventional first-round pick that you would have made, which would have been 15th overall, is that, as we've all seen in all sports, but hockey stands out in this regard a little, you know, to an extent, is the draft itself is a crapshoot. Uh, 60% of all first-rounders make it to the NHL. That number dips whenever you get down to the 15 overall. Uh, out of the last I – th- I saw somebody do a, a, a uh, some research on this. Out of the last 12 picks that have been 15th overall, uh, five of them have made it to the NHL. And four of them turned out to be really, really good players, and one of them was Eric Carlson. So I'm not I'm not downplaying that you could get somebody good or great at that slot. You can, but the point is, is that it's not a certainty. And the other point is, is that it doesn't line up with Sid and Geno and Latang getting older, because now and this was one of Rutherford's main points. You bring in that first rounder, even if it's a really really good pick, Elby. You're still waiting two three years on it. You just are, I and mean, that's just right. That's just the norm, you know. Uh, That that 18-year-old frame has to fill out. The maturity has to come. It doesn't happen just like this, except in the most extraordinary cases. And even recently, we saw the Devils got Jack Hughes number one, and he was a virtual non-thing this past season. It's a hard, hard thing to expect.
0: Yeah, it is. And I I think we'll see how it plays out. But, um, you know, suddenly the Penguins are – uh, not in that uh, top group of teams when you talk about teams in the East going for a cup. But uh, that's why Jim Rutherford is there, and we'll see what, uh, what he can do. But uh, all good thoughts. Thanks, Dan. We're going to get back and talk something uh, about something even more depressing uh, than the predicament <laughs> that the Penguins are yes, in. And, are. That is, and that is the Pirates when Dan and I return right here on Halftime Adjustments. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. We've solved all the Penguins problems. So, Dan and I are ready to tackle <laughs> the, the Pirates. Uh, hey, they, they, had that, uh, they had that three-game sweep. That was certainly a, uh, a high point of the, of the first stretch for the Pirates. But, but, but the, the offense, Dan, is just uh, – it, it's difficult to watch sometimes, which begs the question, is this the Pirates' worst offense ever, at least what we have seen from this offense?
1: I I can't explain it. I think there's a lot of parts, a lot of facets to what's happened to the Pirates in 2020 that are very easy to explain, beginning with with the the obvious fact that they have 13 guys injured, 13 players. Yeah. No one talks about this, Albie. It's just like, oh, they had a low payroll, they were going to stink, and that doesn't matter. Half of their team is currently not participating in the proceedings, you know? And for an organization that had absolutely no depth in the first place, as we saw in 2019 when guys started to get hurt, that's just crushing. So you start with that, and then you get to the hitters, because most of the guys, most of the important guys who are hurt have been pitchers. When you get to the hitters, what's the excuse? You know, look at this lineup right now look at the batting averages forget the advanced stats and everything else just take it to the the rawest basics and that everybody's under 200 or right at 200. Josh Bell, Adam Frazier, Kevin Newman, Brian Reynolds who looked like Rod Carew as a rookie you know Uh, he's in that territory. Colin Moran got off to a pretty good start with some home runs but he's now down there too. Gregory Polanco you mentioned the great weekend against Milwaukee. Nobody had a greater weekend than he did, but he's below 200 as well. Um, I don't have anything here for you because it's not like they changed hitting coaches. If anything, what I was told from the players during the, the offseason when everybody was getting fired was that the players were going to way highest upper management, meaning Bob Nutting himself, and saying, keep the hitting coach. Keep Rick Eckstein. Find a way to keep him. He's made us into better hitters. Rick Eckstein's still there, Albie, and they're getting a whole lot worse. I don't have anything for it.
0: Well, let me, let me suggest this, and and, I'm, and I realize that every team in Major League Baseball has to deal with this same thing, but the Pirates were, uh, for, ev- for anything to go right, they had to be, they, for, for them to have success, everything had to go right. They needed a lot of stuff to be going on, and they needed uh, some players to step up and and maybe even overperform. You know, the the way this season is, with the shortened season, they started spring training, then it was interrupted, and then they had the long wait like everybody else and and finally got back at it in a 60-game season, which gave them some hope that maybe in a short season they could compete. And they had the rough start. All of this stuff combined, maybe they're just psychologically beaten at this point. Um, And and I know that that wouldn't put them in an exclusive group. There are a lot of athletes and a lot of teams that that might feel the same, but particularly the Pirates where you needed to get on a good roll fast
1: to give you that confidence that you need, and they just don't have it. I I think that's – to an extent fair. I see, how, I see how and why you're hedging on it because all 30 teams face the same right, situation. Right, right. What makes the Pirates an outlier uh, a double outlier, but in the, in the first sense is that they had the ridiculous injuries right off the bat. And that does deflate you as a team. Uh, and even though it was to the pitchers, as soon as you start getting your your brains beat out, the first couple of times you're sending you know, all your Miguel Del Pozos out there to walk five guys in a row and whatever else. Yeah. It's going to take a toll on you as a professional though. You've got to be able to block that out and say, you know, when I'm standing in the batter's box, it's just me against the pitcher. Right. And your performance can't suffer like this. And I don't mean to lay all this on Rick Eckstein. He just happens to be the one common denominator. This is on the individuals. This is on bell, Frazier, Newman, Uh, right across the board, Reynolds, Polanco all these guys they have no excuse no reason no history to support that they should be hitting like this right you know I mean you can say what you want about that no hitter uh, last night in Chicago it was terrible I'm sorry I'll that was just I mean the guy was good but he wasn't Nolan Ryan out there You know, he was getting all kinds of lousy swings and passive approaches. Uh, They were watching 94-mile-an-hour fastballs go right down the heart of the zone. When they did swing at them, they swung through them. It was the worst no-hitter you've ever seen. Um, I don't understand this. They keep saying, Josh Bellow chiefly among them, this is just going to turn around. Here it comes. We're coming. This is good. And Milwaukee happens, and you think, oh, maybe a couple of them are going to come.
0: Then they slide back down.
1: Yeah, they slide back down, and then they turn this dude into Sandy Koufax. <laughs> you know, I already forgot his name, Lucas something. And, and it, it's, it's just a bad situation, and the worst part of it is, LB, I'm out of time. You know, this bounce-back thing, as quickly as this season has arrived, it's also about to end. And then they got to carry this into next season.
0: Well, let me just say this before we wrap up this segment. Um, I think that in many ways, uh, this could have gone two ways for the, for the Pirates. Coming out of this uh, long shutdown, they could have either surprised everybody and jumped into it, or they just fell where they've fallen and everybody will write it off, well, it was that kind of a season anyway. Maybe that's the white, one bright spot for the Pirates but this season it, by many oh, people I mean, around the country yeah. will be written off.
1: I mean the expectations for the pirates including locally were close to zero they weren't internally i can tell you that they were they weren't internally they certainly didn't expect to be the worst hitting team we've ever seen and they are by the way that to answer the original question at the beginning of this segment they are statistically and otherwise they are very much that
0: all right well you talk about expectations well we're going to turn this into positive directions the expectations for that steelers defense. Now we're going to talk about something fun when we come back on halftime adjustments. Welcome back to halftime adjustments. Dan Kovačvic on the other end. I'm Albi Oxenrider and yes, it's time to talk about the Steelers.
1: Ooh, happy stuff. The
0: WPXI Steelers Training Camp Report, sponsored by SmailKia.com. Yeah, happy stuff. The uh, The Steelers are in a position now where they can be the team that lifts everybody else up in this town. Um, the, everything seems to be A-OK with Ben Roethlisberger and his elbow. Um, we're hearing great things coming out of camp from T.J. Watt and other players about the intensity um, the, the regular season begins in, in less than three weeks now. In fact, two weeks from tomorrow night is the NFL opener. So we are moving close to real games for the Steelers. And the great news is that defense uh, is – talk about expectations. Well, I'm, I'm expecting this defense could be superb, and that's great news for the Steelers to go along with Ben's return if he stays healthy. Dan, can this defense, uh, am I thinking straight, can this defense be even better than they were last year when they forced so many turnovers and took the ball away so much?
1: That's tough. I mean, that's tough. I I think there are components to it individually that can be better. I think to ask any defense through NFL history to have back-to-back 38 takeaway seasons is, is going too far. Uh, there's too much that has to happen by way of luck. And I say that with all due respect to how well in particular Minka Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, uh, Stephen Nelson, Devin Bush got their hands on the football. That's the, obviously the biggest component of the takeaway. I mean, I'm leaving out TJ and Bud getting to the backfield and knocking the ball out of the quarterback's hands. Uh, it's, it's, going to bounce after you do that and last year if we're being honest here the ball bounced very much in a friendly way to the Steelers those fumbles you remember the one couple that Devin Bush had where they just just showed up right yeah. between his numbers yeah uh, that's that's great you want to be that guy who's the ball hawk who's near the ball it's asking too much I think to go for 38 uh, that said again and talking to these guys, Steven Nelson in particular brought up a good point last week at training camp where he said that he, he felt that this group is going to have much better communication defensively than they did last year. Let's remember that Menka joined the team for week two. Or was, I'm sorry, it was week three last year out in Santa Clara against the 49ers. So he had to learn the defense on the fly. Steven Nelson was new to the defense, having signed as a, as a free agent from Kansas City. Do they feel like there's a lot of continuity aspects that they can tighten up on? And that Bush, in particular, in his second year in the NFL, can become more adept at signal calling. Bush talked about that himself. Can you get better? Yeah, but Albie, I'll ask you this. How much do you miss Javon Hargrave? You know, I mean, they didn't really technically replace him it knows yeah, Triple. Right. They just basically assigned the position to Tyson Allo-Allo. Uh Correct, but but I love I love the fact
0: that uh, Devin Bush has another year of maturity. Uh, TJ Watt, same. Uh, Joe Hayden is saying some things uh, uh, in a, in a great way, just about the, the camaraderie in that secondary. They they seem to be clicking, and yeah, you know Cam Hayward and 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 Stefan Hey, having Stephon Tuiat back. Um, I think there are some, certainly some good things. You're, you, you make a good point about Hargrave, uh, but I think this is certainly a team that if if they can do what they did last year, let's take a step back, forget being better. If this team can do what it did last year defensively, um, then, then I think the sky's the limit. I mean, I know that the Baltimore Ravens are in their own division and the Kansas City Chiefs are in their own conference, but the Steelers uh, could be one of those teams for sure. Uh, in the AFC, and uh, whether it's as a wild card or whether they can make a run and and hope that Baltimore uh, takes a step back from what we saw last year. But yeah, I'm thinking big things for the
1: defense and big things overall. Well, here's another way of looking at it. And a couple of players have brought this up too. Let's say that the Steelers offense isn't the complete disaster that it was in 2019 without Ben. I think that's a pretty safe conservative projection, right? In that event, the Steelers won't always be trying to come from behind, you know, and the other team won't be able to just line up and and, and and run the ball. They're going to be forced to throw more. And Steve Nelson, again, to keep quoting him, was the one who said if they're forced to throw more, that gives us in the secondary and the people that we have back there that much more of a chance to make picks, to make plays. It gives TJ and Bud that much more of a chance to go after the quarterback in very clear passing situations. So that's one of those cases where offense, meaning in the Steelers case, offense can lead to an even better defense. So, But it's asking so much. I hate to lie on it. Them. Like if they were just as good as last year, like you'd take it in a heartbeat, right? Absolutely, and I'll say this
0: too. Keith Butler told us in the Zoom call this week, um, in fact, I asked him, what concerns do you have about the way training camp is being held? And, and he got right to it. He said, my concern is injuries because the problem that every team is dealing with, uh, you're dealing with a preseason where you don't have opponents and you can try to replicate that in practice as best you can in terms of the physical aspect of things. But the bottom line is whether it was Ben or Stefan it or any other number of players, those two are extreme examples. You find out in a hurry how a teams' expectations can go way down in the flat in a flash with injuries so Mm -hmm. so let's think good things and perhaps it will happen but uh you're right it may be difficult to get better in that regard all right i know dean our producer is yelling because we're a little bit over right now but that's what we do we talk (laughs) we're back after this Welcome back to halftime adjustments day and we saw hockey come back and baseball come back sort of in Pittsburgh, but football coming back now that is something to get excited about because we will see it play out long term,
1: we hope for the Steelers. We're we're about two weeks away. That's not a bad. Yeah, thing. No, I think I think it is. I mean, I would say that hopes are mostly dashed as, as it relates to getting humans in there to watch, meaning in Heinz Field. We're going to see some of that around the NFL. We're already seeing some of it with practices and so forth. There's been no indication of that for either of the two Pennsylvania franchises, obviously. Uh, we'll see. We can hope, you know, it, look, one way or another, they're going to be playing, right? With or without people in there watching, and they look like they're going to be very, very good. Absolutely. And, by the way, roughly half the NFL teams, as of this
0: conversation, will start the season without fans. Stay tuned. I'm Albie Oxenreiter for Dan Kovacevic. See you next time here in Halftime Adjustments.